The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Two things I've got nothing to say about, but are worth mentioning as a headline. NBA Finals started last night, and the Suns beat the Bucks. The best player in the world is Hurt, the Greek freak for the Bucks. so that might explain that. I don't know. I haven't watched. Um, also, the president of Haiti was assassinated overnight in his own home. Nice security. Uh, in his own home, him and his wife. And I got nothing to say about that either because I don't know anything about Haiti. It's a, it's a rough land. It's a beleaguered land, to say the least. Yeah, his wife got hurt. I'll bet his own security guards were in on it. Almost has to be. In your, yeah, if you get but, to assassinate it on your, in your own home. Yeah, man, that's rough. And on the other side of that very same island, the Dominican Republic does a pretty damn good job. It's just a question of governance. Is uh, Haiti an asshole country, as Donald Trump would call it? This is the hour of their, their darkest uh, reckoning, Jack. I'm not sure we need to pile on with hurtful terms like that, but yes, they are. They, <laughs> they may be the, they're toward the top of the heap of the bottom. What? If you will. <laughs> They are at the pinnacle of being on the bottom. <laughs> okay. Um, so USA Today, I don't remember them doing a story this long. Maybe some of their investigations into molestation by, geez, pick, U.S. volleyball, U.S. swimming, U.S. gymnastics, Boy Scouts. They've done a lot of uh, really good journalism on that and really long stories. But this is a really long one, also sex-related, about massage parlors, and in particular, massage schools. Now, I have never been to one of these massage parlors. The trouble with me saying that is even if I had, I'd probably say I haven't. Ah, yes. But I haven't. And uh, but I am. Well, the point is, I haven't been, but I still know they're whorehouses. All right, I and I don't get why we pretend they aren't. There, there have been two big stories in the last couple of years where the media pretended this isn't a, a, true. Remember when Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, 
got arrested at a massage place, and the media kind of pretended like that wasn't a common thing. Or they acted surprised at the very least. Right, and then you had that horrible story of the guy shooting those people in uh, Atlanta, and nobody ever mentioned for days that he was going there to have sex with these people. It was a sex thing. He wasn't going to get a massage. Nobody mentioned that these all-night massage parlors with neon signs in sketchy neighborhoods were whorehouses. Why do we pretend that this isn't going on in every city in America? Is there a reason? Well, I don't. Speaking for myself, I think it's behind closed doors. It's consenting adults. It's not street walking. I just don't care. But so you think it's not mentioned because people think it's okay? I, I, I don't, don't, I'm I don't not know, bothered honestly. by it either, but why Why anytime it, it becomes a story, people act like they're legitimate massage parlors? Is there a reason for that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they're confused about the difference between a massage well, therapy place and, and these places. I'm not asking the question most directly. Do you think the average person that sees those signs, it's usually next to a car dealership and a tanning place, you know, a potluck car dealership and a tanning place and a karate mm-hmm. studio. Do you think right. the average person driving by that sees, you know, the massage place thinks that's where people just go to get legitimate massages? I don't know. Uh, I've known it since I was like 15. So well, right. I, that's it's what hard I'm saying. For me to imagine. Well, USA I, I, Today. I haven't brought it up much. USA Today has gone with like a, a full five page story. And I don't know why these massage places feel the need to do this, but apparently. To stay on the right side of the law, because we, we have talked about this for years, that um, every so often in most cities, the police are forced by public pressure or something to act like they care about prostitution, and they bust a whole bunch of people. Or it, it's also, I think it's kind of like uh, doing a speed trap on the uh, interstate uh, once a month or so. You just remind people, look, you got to keep it cool. You can't go too overboard. Yeah. I I wonder. I don't know exactly. But it's definitely more complicated than we've discovered there are prostitutes in our city, and we're going to arrest them now. Right. And so the prostitutes get arrested, and they're all thinking, what? I've been doing this. Me and my friends have been doing this for years. Why am I going to jail tonight? And then the Johns who go there are thinking, what? Me and all my friends have been going here for years. Now I'm on. Now I'm in the newspaper. I mean, what the hell? You know, we happened to do a ride-along with the Charlotte, uh, North Carolina Police Department on a night where they were doing their quarterly or annual or whatever it was, roundup of prostitutes. And what was remarkable about all the people sitting there waiting to get booked or whatever is just everybody's bored. Everybody's looking like they're at the DMV to get their tags. I mean, there was no angst and anguish and, and bitterness at how their life turned out. It was like uh, nothing. they were greeting each other by names. The cops would say, hey, Lola, how you doing? I'm good, Jim. How's the family? I mean, it was just so routine. <laughs> and by, by the way, if you know anything about this, uh, ins and outs of this, if you pardon the expression, I will not. The text line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. But the interesting angle here that has taken me a very long time to get to in the USA Today is their headline, A Pipeline to America's Sex Trade? Question mark. It clearly is. I don't Question know, mark. <laughs> I don't know why they're acting like it's an unknown, but apparently in most cities in America, you make them show a diploma for these women. 
to try to stay somewhat legit or be able to claim to the blue hairs in your town that, hey, they're legitimate massages. I don't know why, but there are these uh, uh, massage schools all across the country. And the USA Today took the time to bust them and, uh, you know, and, and, and let everybody know that, hey, these are fake places. I mean, they're not actually learning anything. These are fake certificates. You basically just pay for it. Then they go to one of these whorehouses and they have sex with clients. It's not really a massage thing. And they did a so they're not full like, page article about it. They're not teaching people how to actually administer those extra services. A month long. Because I was going to volunteer. You know how, like at a barber college, you could get a pretty decent haircut for five bucks? I'm wondering if these schools, you know, I don't know. They need somebody to work on. Well, if you're gonna, if it's gonna be a real school about what you're really going to do, it would be how to spot a cop. <laughs> sure. Or along uh, with the uh, other practical, uh, you know, tricks to, of the trade. How to adjust to a lifestyle where you sleep all day and stay up all night. How to avoid <laughs> uh, venereal diseases. Those would be all the classes. It wouldn't be, you know, how to give a massage. But uh, a month-long USA Today investigation uncovered two dozen massage schools in towns large and small all across the country that are suspected of connections to prostitution, fraud, or both. Like the illicit sex spas where the trainees sometimes end up, the schools can be hard to detect and prosecute. Uh, but yeah, these schools, and I, 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 should I be happy that we have this extra layer of difficulty or something? Maybe, I don't know. But these women, if you decide, it's probably decided for them, because in a lot of cases... These are people that don't speak English. This is part of how they got to the United States. Now they're forced into basically sex slavery. That's right. the part of it that, you know, I really don't understand why we accept this going on. You have, there, there are cities all across America. San Francisco, probably more than any city in America, couldn't be more about the downtrodden and women in a town like San Francisco has thousands of sex slaves. Thousands yeah. and thousands of sex slaves, and nobody really talks about it or does anything about it. Yeah, imported from Asia with promises of a, a better life, and they're they're forced to participate. But so you get to uh, this yeah, country, uh, the, the the whoever's running this business, the the coyotes of the sex trade, they send you to one of these schools, or you at least apply to one and pay a certain amount of money, and then you get a diploma, and then you go work at the as a as a sex slave. <laughs> you now, what do the commencement speeches sound like at these schools? You graduate. Alex just yes. threw his hat in the air. Um, You're uh, ready to go forward into your exciting new career at a rub tuggery of your choice. Oh, boy. While we look back fondly at the time we've spent here at Rub and Dug U, we also realize the road ahead will be challenging. Uh, having gotten a grade of B in HJ 101. <laughs> yeah, a solid B. Though. I had the flu for a week. I missed class. And then the, uh, you get the license, and uh, once you've got the diploma, you can get the license. Then you go to the, what did you call it, a rub-tuggery? And, yeah, uh, I may have. I don't recall. And uh, and then that's above board enough for your city to allow this business to exist on that street corner. It's interesting, yep. the layers of deception, so that what everybody knows is happening can occur even though it's illegal. 
Yeah, it is an odd kind of house of mirrors of hypocrisy and like, I don't know. I'm not worried about anybody getting a, a, a an intimate touch no, from a consenting I'm, adult I'm behind anti, the closed doors. I'm anti-slavery. Anti yeah, here, here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, brief tale, I did business. I continue to do business with a certain place. I won't mention it in case he doesn't want me to, but it's in one of those. It's not a strip mall. It's more like an industrial strip mall. Um, and, and, and one of the people there doing business with him, uh, it was a group of people said, what kind of neighborhood is this? He goes, well, it's pretty nice. He said, but you know, like that massage place, two doors down, that's actually a, a you know, how it's a whorehouse to use Jack's quaint term. Uh, and, and one of the people there, and he had no idea that said, you know, I'm a cop and I kind of need to say something about that now, if that's true. So, and he, he's felt bad for years because this nice uh, Chinese lady was running a, a business. She wasn't hurting anybody or, you know, offending anybody. That's kind of interesting, though. So even though there are those places all over the city, if a cop is told about it, he kind of has to look into it at that point. That depends on the individual and the department and their policies. I don't know. She seemed to imply that having been told specifically that there was being a crime committed next door, Mm. she really had to tell somebody about it. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But but the, uh, the uh, the nice Chinese lady lost her business. Or moved it, anyway. I hope all her uh, workers had gone to college, graduated, gotten their license, and uh, <laughs> I think she was a, uh, a uh, how do you what do you say? She's a, a single operator. Oh, okay. It was like a gal who has her own hair salon. Gotcha. She was yeah. working alone. You exactly. You 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 you. It's a billion dollar black market in the wow. U.S. built to sell sex. A billion dollar industry. I guess that's not surprising. Every city I've ever lived in has them all over the place, including in the most conservative religious areas of the country. Yeah. Well, I hate to split hairs, but it seems kind of funny to say it's a place to sell sex. You don't have to sell sex. People want sex. It's a place where people can buy sex. It's a subtle difference, but it's a significant You don't have to be much of a salesman. (laughs) You don't have to really come with a good game. No, not really. There are buyers available. It's a one-foot putt. (laughs) So long haulers with COVID losing their sense of smell and not getting it back, they're trying to figure out how to help them get it back. It's called sniff training. What? Um, Yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's odd. It's troubling. It's somewhat amusing. And then we'll deal with it in moments. Stay with us. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So for whatever reason, we're not paying attention to the border crisis, most of America. And it's uh, I just saw a report on Fox where a reporter was there and saying it's the worst day yet in terms of people crossing the border. It's the worst day they've had yet. But and, we're a nation of immigrants. And was, Build bridges, not walls. And I was specifically looking at a story about how much COVID they've got in the various facilities. Those that they do apprehend and hold, most people just come in and stay in. Um, but those that they do catch are bringing in a lot of COVID, which doesn't affect me because I'm vaccinated. But you'd, you'd think during the pandemic you'd want to stop that from happening, but whatever. 
You know, a couple of different uh, thoughts based on that story. Number one, the every other day incredibly heartbreaking video of some little kid abandoned by the coyotes. Mm. One year old, two years old, wandering in the desert. And you're and a monster, the, you do that. And so much of America just keeps saying, we're a nation of immigrants. No, God, it's a for-profit industry run by the worst people on Earth. And if we don't secure the border, there's going to be the enormous human tragedy. It's not about racism or xenophobia. It's about an orderly immigration process. You stupid idiots. That probably didn't help. I probably didn't bring anybody over to my... I just By calling them stupid idiots? Probably not. <clears throat> yeah, I, probably not. Uh, the other thing is, I had another thought on that. Is that... The immigration, the, the kids. COVID. The tragedy, the COVID. No, it wasn't the COVID. That's funny. Flitted out of my mind. Oh, well, I'll come back to it in a little bit. Uh, and we need to talk about organized retail theft and how it's exploding around the country and what retailers themselves say is behind it. It ain't really shocking. Uh, but yet another major retail chain has made an announcement about its operations in San Francisco, one of the great utopian hotbeds of uh, decriminalizing crime. So we'll get to that in a little bit. We also got a text from a woman who went to one of those massage parlors for an actual massage. And her Whoops. experience is kind of funny. <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Oh, and now I remember what it was. Just the, the COVID thing. Um, a number of Republican governors are begging their people to get vaccinated, saying, look, it's safe. You need to do this. The variants are dangerous. We're going to have an explosion in the fall, blah, blah, blah. Uh, because for whatever reason, Republicans are much, much more hesitant to get vaccinated than uh, than Democrats. And black um, men. Those are the yeah, two that's right. biggest groups of people that don't want to get to the vaccination for some reason. Right, right. And it's such an interesting topic. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but um, you have your, your very own governors just begging you, bribing you, trying to get you to uh, take the damn vaccine. I took it. It's perfectly fine. I think it's great. Uh, the long haulers, the people who had uh, COVID not gotten over it, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks. And a lot of people lose their sense of smell. Uh, they say about 60% of sufferers have anosmia, a vanished sense of smell. Now, most people, about 95% of them, get it back within six months. Although that's a pretty disconcerting time to not be able to smell or to smell things incorrectly, which we'll explain in a second. Uh, a small a small study found that 4% of the people had not regained their sense of smell eight months to a year after the infection. And they mentioned this one gal who couldn't smell food burning in her kitchen. Mm. So that's that's a little bit dangerous. Um, uh, but then they have, they, they mentioned a different, different, uh, syndromes that are similar. Um, the anosmia, no smell is the most common. There is also parosmia in which a whiff of perfume may instead smell like the inside of a kennel. Oh! Uh, hyposmia, where smells are perceived only faintly, and phantosmia, phantom odors like smelling burning chicken when you're having salad for dinner. Weird. But they're trying to figure out how to nurse people back to being able to smell properly, and the and they're trying what they call sniff therapy, where they give them smells and particular smells they like, and you take a bunch of little sniffs and try to recognize it. And some believe if you look at a picture at the same time, it may help reestablish the connections in your brain. They have an idea neurologically what's going on. It's a little complicated to explain in the time we have left, but it's just crazy. I'm glad this hasn't hit me, man. I'd rather have no smell than false smell. Smell would be weird. Oh, you, you sidle up to your honey, and, and she smells like dog poo. That's no good. That doesn't help romance a bit. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So USA Today went big on... um, I didn't know this. I didn't know there there were these fake colleges all across the country that give degrees in massage therapy (laughs) so that you can then have your credentials to go be a prostitute at a fake massage parlor. It seems like an extra layer of scandal that's unnecessary but it exists for some reason i'm sure you know someday when we're just doing a podcast and aren't on the air can we do this story again because i've got all sorts of funny things to say but i just i can't <laughs> right but so i my, my question was uh, how many people in america don't know that all these massage parlors are whorehouses um well, apparently this person didn't i'm a woman and i'm the kind of idiot that walked into one of these <laughs> massage parlors because my regular massage therapist didn't have an opening and i was having horrible pain in my shoulders i could see that just you know i could see my mom or whoever thinking yeah it's a place people go to get massages and i need a massage yeah particularly because some are better disguised than others i think yeah usually the the tip off to me is you're open at three o'clock in the morning 
Well, and your name is Asian Lotus or something like that. Right. Yeah. I asked for a deep tissue massage, and the tiny woman behind the counter was very confused. Ultimately, I was taken into a seedy room. I was told to lie on a bed and told to relax. They probably don't get a lot of women in there, period. Right. That aren't applying for a job. I was told to relax and handed a remote and told to enjoy the relax you enjoy while wait. What can only be described as a 1960s quarter-fed vibrating bed that you would find in a cheap roadside motel. The massage I ultimately received was completely worthless, absolutely worthless. I don't even have the words to describe it other than like an annoying and completely clueless guy. So it was a woman doing this massage was lightly and repetitively rubbing his hand back and forth across your shoulders. Imagining he was doing a fantastic job of turning you on when nothing could be further from the truth. She couldn't wow. wait to get me off our table, and I couldn't wait to get out of the shop. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, it, well, they think we got somebody who thinks we're legit. What should we do? I don't know. Kind of rub them for a while and see if they leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the mafia is running some, uh, you know, a, a clandestine business, and they, the front is a paint store. Yeah. And somebody actually walks in and says, "Hey, I want you to paint my house." Can you mix up thinking, some eggshell and some cottage white? I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Mm-hmm. So, well, we speaking got, of crime, Jack. Oh, what? we got one more mm-hmm. on a different topic. So you were talking oh, right. about people losing their smell during the COVID and all that sort of stuff. We got on the text line, and we're going to introduce new member of the staff, Alex, to read the text. Now, Alex. Thank you. Hold your applause. Thank you. We've mentioned his name a couple of times in the last couple of days. We'll do a full introduction at some point. We haven't decided uh, when or how or anything like that, but Alex will read this text. My husband and I both lost our smell from COVID. With two babies and diapers, it was not good. When I got my smell back, we had somehow lost a dirty diaper in the house and had no idea it smelled so bad. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Wow. What Honey, a do you remember where we put the diaper... Oh, that, my keys. Oh, that would be easy to do or have some sort of food go horribly bad that you didn't notice or something if you couldn't smell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, one of the or examples dog, in the... the... The main way you ever find out your dog has pooed in the house is you smell it. An aggressive scent. How often do dogs poo in your house? Quite often. I've had a lot of dogs. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, one of the examples they gave in this article I was reading before was uh, you can't tell when milk is spoiled. You can't tell when food has gone bad. Because huh. it's all about the sniff test, really. Yeah, sure. Yeah. In general, anyway. I don't think I care about my sense of smell that much, but I have never not had it. So Exactly. You take it for granted, don't you? I do. I think you've learned something. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I Well, uh, smell is a substantial amount of taste, too. But, you know, I've accused you of being hard of tasting yeah. because I, you don't care that much about food I don't. variety and that sort of thing. Yeah. Spice of life. Uh, let's see. So uh, theft, retail theft, particularly organized retail theft, is absolutely skyrocketing in America's the cities. I just came across this study from the, I think it's the National Retail uh, Federation, which we'll get to in a second or two. But you remember, we've talked about this a couple of times, that um, Walgreens shut down all of its stores in San Francisco. 17 stores. That's right, yeah. And CVS shut down a bunch of them as well. Well, now, now he says, having scrolled away from it, uh, Target has announced all five of its San Francisco stores are going to close at 6 p.m. Because crime is so rampant, theft is so brazen and unpunished, they can't, they can't sell anything after 6. 
How how are people not seeing this? Well, most most people who take in liberal media probably aren't hearing this, but how do people not understand that this is a symptom of something gone horribly wrong? If you shop at a Target that now closes at 6, or there's no Walgreens in your neighborhood anymore, I would think you'd notice that. You might ask around, what happened to the Walgreens? Oh, they closed because people kept stealing stuff and nobody did anything about it. Well, that sucks, you might say to yourself, and want different out of your town, I would think. Right, right, absolutely true. So the National Retail Foundation has uh, identified the top cities affected by organized retail crime. L.A. is number one, then Chicago, Miami, New York, and to my shock, San Francisco is in fifth place because property crime rates in San Francisco set records regularly. I'm really interested in this rise in crime. Homicides, thefts, you know, vandalism, all this different sort of stuff and what's behind it. And, uh, you know... uh, number of people thinking the COVID made us crazy or whatever. And there are some legal things that happen. We've talked about a lot, the decriminalizing crime, the, you know, the mm-hmm. raising the amount that uh, qualifies as a felony and all that different sort of stuff. But I think just in general, that period of time that during the, the George Floyd riots, when everybody was going nuts and smashing windows and stealing stuff and, and, and cities across America just said, eh, what are you going to do? They're mad. That sent a message loud and clear to a certain segment of society that, hey, it's open season. You can do whatever you want now. Nobody cares. You know, I think you're absolutely right. As we often say, very few things are just one thing or can be explained by just one thing. There have been a number of laws in your blue parts of the country that have essentially decriminalized crime. I mean, the infamous Prop 47 in San Francisco, any any theft less than $950 is a misdemeanor. I mean, you can steal a hell of a lot of really good stuff oh, heck yeah. and, and keep it below $950. But then you're right. You've got um, just an example of lawlessness on the TV every single night, and the authorities turn in a blind oh, and eye. For night after night, in some cities, night after night, night after night. Night, night after, after night? night? Um, night after night. And so, yeah, word gets around. Hey, they don't do anything about this anymore. Nobody's going to arrest you. Right. Right. Well, the videos that have come out of San Francisco, including the one, uh, I think it was Neiman Marcus robbed in Union Square the other day, uh, guys just running, a gangs of guys running out with dozens and dozens of expensive purses. Uh, it, it's just, it, the reason we bring you some of these stories, if you live in other parts of the country, is you've got to understand, a lot of these policies are sold because they sound good, they sound compassionate, they have really good rationale for, well, people are downtrodden, and they only steal because they're desperate, blah, blah, blah. But as Thomas Sowell has put it so so well, we're getting rid of what works in what favor in favor of what sounds good, and it doesn't work at all. So, getting back to the National Retail Foundation's report, uh, let's see. That the interesting part is they asked uh, all their members, and they have many thousands of members. Have you seen an increase in organized retail crime activity in the past twelve months at your company? And and only uh, victims could answer. Uh, 31% said, yes, a significant increase. And 44% said, yes, a small increase. So 75% of the companies said they had seen an increase in organized retail crime. I mean, that's a sign of something going seriously wrong in a society. Why do you think your company has seen an increase, they asked. Uh, number one answer, relaxed law enforcement guidelines. Just about as many people said the shoplifting law changes, limited loss prevention in stores, and decreased penalties in shoplifting laws. I'm always I mean, amazed. It's as simple as that. I'm always amazed to the extent to which criminals are aware of uh, changes in the law and that sort of thing. 
Well, they're pretty good at their jobs. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people, and and it's funny, and and I accuse the left of this uh, all the time, and I will stand by it mostly. I think a lot of people, like good-hearted, college-educated people who swing left, haven't spent enough time among actual, you know, rough crowds, tough neighborhoods, uh, poor people, the rest of it. The... The, the, the kids, the gangs in San Francisco, for instance, that are robbing all of the Palo Alto and Union Square and all stories, uh, stores of all of their expensive pur- purses. These kids might not be terribly well educated. Maybe they didn't stay in school. They don't have a college degree, but they're smart. They're really smart. They're street smart. They know what environment they live in. They know what the laws are. They know what the likely repercussions of what they're doing uh, will be or won't be. And so they adjust their game accordingly. Stop, stop the, 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 the unbelievable, the soft, uh, what do they call it? The soft uh, racism of low expectations. Right. Quit assuming these kids are, are stupid and downtrodden or don't have a chance or whatever. They've made a choice. They see how easy it is. They're making money hand over fist. Just the naivete of, of the college-educated white women of America. No offense, a lot of you are down to earth and you're great, but a lot of you aren't. Um, and, and dudes, too, please. I shouldn't let dudes off the hook. You're just, you're naive. You have a classroom view of humanity. Stop using gendered language. What? We're accusing people of ruining Please the do not country. use gendered language to, to address everyone. Took. <laughs> Uh, kind of breaking news. Tokyo, that's the capital of Japan, has just declared the coronavirus a state of emergency two weeks before the start of the Olympics. Whoa, in the no. Very, in that very city. There goes Tokyo. Co- 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 COVID. Woo! Can uh, Nobody asked for that. Can the Olympics still happen in a city that has just declared a state of emergency because COVID's starting to overwhelm them? Seems ill-advised. Hmm. Of course, all the yeah. athletes are going to be vaccinated. Yes. So, well, and uh, the coaches and handlers as well, Probably. theoretically, right? Yeah. yeah. Meh. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I can't. I can't work it up for the Olympics uh, either way. Honestly. I can't work it up for this headline, but I'll mention it just because it's getting attention on Twitter. Twitter might be the most misleading thing that has ever happened to human beings. Thanks, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Trump is filing a major lawsuit against Twitter, Facebook, Google, and the CEOs over the censorship of American citizens, saying they violated his First Amendment rights. Oh, that reminds me. Matt Taibbi wrote just a brilliant piece uh, the other day. Um, Maybe I'll describe it next segment. I know we're running a little bit late. Um, But I I feel, you know, Michael, what I'm about to say is purely to set up the clip that we were going to wear out today. You know, I feel bad about uh, bad-mouthing America's college-educated women. There is some culpability there. I guess uh, I'll take halfsies. On halfsies that. on that? <laughs> halfsies on that? I need to learn to not just end your sentence with a question mark. But you have to have several question marks in the middle of the sentence. Oh, yeah, halfsies the begin- on that? You see? Right. I'd like to order an omelet. Yeah, like you can every, have like, every word, every phrase. Yeah, you can have like mark. three questions in one sentence. Half right. on that. <laughs> and and interestingly, if if somebody says, "Man, it's hot today," uh, right has become right. It's just odd. It's interesting. <laughs> it's Languages evolve. It's they turn, but it's just yeah. It's exactly what it is. Like it annoys me, but it's okay. In other words, I'll take halfsies. 
halfsies on that. So I've got something cerebral coming up. Uh, Opposite of that, cerebral. Um, I came across some uh, the definition of hell that I thought was really good. Wow. Uh, While I was doing a lot of reading during our vacation. Comes from C.S. Lewis, who I believe we featured for the freedom-loving quote of the day. We did for several days, yeah. I'm actually familiar with this. This was one of my mom's favorite uh, sayings. Anyway, um, that and a bunch of other stuff on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. My son is hanging out in the office. Have a child care deficit today. As uh, both uh, babysitters are on vacation. And with my current family situation, uh, what else are you going to do? So I brought him to work and he's in our office. But the interesting thing is with the modern child, He's got the computer set up, and he's got YouTube. He's got his Nintendo Switch and a couple of games. And uh, he's got an iPad with, like, Netflix. So he's perfectly happy. I mean, like, there's no there's no downside whatsoever from sitting in our office for four hours. And Yeah. That. I used to worry about uh, when my kids would come to the Radio Ranch, any of the evil getting on them. But uh, <laughs> it's so emptied out, you know? Oh, yeah, there's nobody here. Yeah. Um, I'm going through my notes that I took while we were on vacation, a bunch of different stuff. Um, oh, here's a, here's a note. Somebody uh, did the math on this. Twitter is the most Democratic district in the United States. If Twitter were a district, like a congressional district, it would be by far the most solidly blue district in the United States. How interesting. It is interesting. Um, but I came across, I took a and picture. And it directs a lot of the uh, national conversation, too, inappropriately. I took a picture of a People magazine from a week ago. It was on the stands. Cher turned 75, and it was a picture of Cher on there. Oh, boy. Uh, and a couple of reasons I took that picture. One, what is the point of modern pictures when you can do as much editing and Photoshopping and stuff like that? What's the point of even having a picture of anyone, really? Right. Why? You might as well just have their name. I mean... That's a human form that resembles somebody named Cher, but uh, yeah, right. We got to be, well like, be a painting. We got to be like this close to a computer just generating the image of someone. Like instead of having Brad Pitt pose, you don't even do that. The computer just generates Brad Pitt. What do you want him on a boat? What do you want him wearing? And then yeah, you're done. Yeah. Um, but then I was I was also wondering who, who I almost wanted to stand there and wait. Who is going to buy? Who's going to pay six ninety nine, seven freaking dollars plus tax for an issue of People magazine with Cher turned seventy five on the cover? Who are you people? Who buys magazines? Who buys Old a magazine? Um, she she was their sex symbol, still is. A seventy five year old Cher, you want to get together sometime? <laughs> Do you, oh, also this note, West Wing payroll near $50 million, highest ever wow. West Wing payroll with the Biden administration. When I first heard that, I thought, okay, this is one of those biggest box office ever. They didn't adjust for inflation. Nope, that's adjusted for inflation. 
Well, the executive branch is more powerful than it's ever been before. It practically runs everything. Obama had the previous record of $49.4 million, but Biden has outstripped that slightly. Democrats like bigger government. They spend more money on it. Republicans uh, like smaller government, in theory, uh, more often and spend less money on it. And this, since I can't find what I was going to talk about, I will talk about it later. Andrew Cuomo's daughter came out last week as demisexual, and I hadn't heard this term before. Oh, boy, yes. His youngest daughter isn't just out and proud. She's specific about her new sexual orientation. She's 23 years old, and she came out on Instagram last month as queer, but then declared herself demisexual this week during during an appearance on Instagram, whatever that means. Demisexual, I probably should read it the way she probably sounds. Demisexual people only feel sexually attracted to someone when they have an emotional bond? As the way I'm guessing she said it. Wow. That's, uh, a, that's an odd gender. Uh, that'd be cool. I mean, I like that. I just, I don't believe very many people are that. I just but, think young women desperately need attention, and so they make declarations like this. Listen to this. When I was in elementary school, she said, I feared that I was a lesbian. Feared. Uh, in, in elementary school. Somebody else had to put these thoughts into your head. You didn't come to this on your own conclusion, right? I wouldn't think so. When I was in elementary school, I feared that I was a lesbian. When I was in middle school, I came out to my family and close friends as bisexual. That's in middle school. In middle school? <sighs> When I was in high school, I discovered pansexuality and thought, that's the flag for me. And I've recently learned more about demisexuality and have believed that that identity resonates with me the most. She's always dreamed of a world in which nobody will have to come out because everybody's sexuality will be assumed to be fluid. It's not really, is the thing, sweetheart. But in a world that force feeds cisgender heterosexuality, coming out of the closet is a lifelong process of unpacking internalized social constructions and stigmas. Right. Boy, um, if you have to deal with that with your daughter or son and all those... uh, Going backs and forths from well, and, and they're being encouraged. They're being demanded. It's demanded of them to deal with this stuff in elementary school. In elementary school, and then inventing new ones that you have to wrap your head around and completely respect. Because if you don't, you're some sort of bigot. Armstrong and Getty. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.